0: Hey
1: guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope everybody had a wonderful three-day weekend. I know we put out a show yesterday on Labor Day, but I know a lot of people were off also. So if you haven't had a chance, to check out the episode we did with Robert Bray. Uh, Be sure to check that out. Got some good feedback from that, not only from Robert, but uh, from some of his relatives and, and and other people as well. So it was a lot of fun chatting with Robert Bray about some real hondo prep sports and things of that nature. Um, man, outside of the podcast, guys, uh, a few sporting events on on Monday, on Labor Day. Uh, first of all, Dustin Johnson winning the FedEx uh, FedEx Cup, the FedEx Cup champion, we'll say, the, the tour championship, winning that golf uh, tournament uh, with a score of 21 under. I mean, unbelievable right he just was playing out of his mind for those of you who are golf fans and uh, it was crazy to see that some people that were just behind him they were having some unbelievable scores themselves but uh, Dustin Johnson just couldn't quite get caught from behind he led by five I think uh, he ended up winning by three somewhere in there but kind of uneventful uneventful on Sunday or excuse me Monday Labor Day for the the golf tournament there uh, in Atlanta. So congrats to Dustin Johnson. The other thing on Monday, guys, that Monday night football game, BYU and Navy, I was really looking forward to that. I tried to get everything done. I I needed to get done throughout the day. And, oh, man, just kind of upsetting. (laughs) 55-3, to BYU came right out of the gate ready to go, and Navy really just never got anything going. So tough, tough way to start their home opener. And it was very odd seeing – some of the things that were on the field. I, I know there's been some college football uh, the, the past week or so, Saturday and everything, but it was interesting to see that, you know, a lot of the referees, they were using these handheld whistles. Uh, you could hear it off the bat. My, at least my ear could. Some of the, the whistles uh, sounded totally different because the referees are holding whistles in their hands and they're pushing a button. Uh, but anyway, the game was was not that interesting, so I paid attention to those types of things. Uh, Nate, no fans at Navy. That was upsetting. That was uh, disappointing, to say the least. But I think the state of Maryland uh, w- was really kind of made that decision ultimately, because I know a lot of the midshipmen uh, fans and uh, students there would have loved to be there watching that game. So, kind of disappointing right out right out the gate. Just a, a BYU blowout. And uh, hey, at least we got to see some football, I guess, to <laughs> two, two, two uh, universities that I think are, are very classy programs, uh, both of them. I mean, uh, the Naval Academy, of course, and then Brigham Young University, uh, classy programs, and uh, it was cool to see those names out there on the field Monday night, even though it wasn't much of a game. But but we'll go from there. We'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully some more good football coming up here uh, in, in the college ranks. We'll, we'll see some better competition. Uh, but you could definitely tell that there's been a lack of maybe practice, lack of tackling for sure. Uh, that's always kind of the case in most years, but now you throw in all these COVID restrictions. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of that, uh, lack of, uh, positive play in some areas. Uh, let's see here. NFL starts Thursday. Uh, definitely going to be cool seeing that it, it's, it's here before, you know, we, we blinked and all of a sudden, Oh, it's NFL time. So that'll be interesting. But college football was kind of the story over the weekend. And I thought we'd have a better game Monday night. I really did. Uh, unfortunately we did not. Uh, I mentioned the episode with Mr. Bray on Monday. Uh, some good feedback. One person who contacted us was his son-in-law, Edwin Ixta, And Edwin has contacted me a few different times regarding his podcast uh, or his uh, his episode on this podcast, I should say, but also some of the uh, just content suggestions and maybe some questions. he's He sent our way to me and Bill Barnes, of course, on Wednesdays. Uh, but he did text me saying that him and his wife, who is Mr. Bray's A daughter Enjoyed the podcast. And they enjoyed the the podcast on Friday night with Valerie, my girlfriend. And he told me that I got to give Tiger King another chance because I was, you know, ranting and raving and saying how stupid that show was. And I was mad at Val for trying to get me to watch it. But uh, fun, fun conversation with Val in our podcast on Friday. If you haven't had a chance to see that. But Edwin did say uh, outside of the Tiger King thing, he said, hey, Valerie plays the bagpipes. I think it would be cool to have her play the bagpipes like, like Servite does and it'll walk the real Hondo prep team out, maybe playing the alma mater or something. And uh, (laughs) I think it's a good idea. Uh, I don't want to steal ideas from, you know, other schools and everything, but to uh, echo his point, I think Servite in doing that, it's one of the best uh, traditions I've seen in in high school football where uh, a single bagpiper kind of marches the team out as they're kind of locked in arms and everything. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, yeah, Edwin, I don't know if we can make that happen or not, but I gotta, you know, have Val maybe, maybe try to learn the, uh, the alma mater, a charge to keep, I have here, uh, just, just to be ready, just in case. So thank you for those comments, uh, especially the kind words about the, the podcast episode on Monday with your father-in-law, Mr. Bray. It was a lot of fun catching up with him. Uh, we did hear from Will Tarico on the podcast and he has a question regarding, uh, the kind of the Joe West ejection. Uh, of the of the general manager in the stands uh, the nationals Mike Rizzo um, I'm saving that one for Bill tomorrow because I want to have that discussion with Bill Barnes. He and I have both umpired and yes will we have both had to remove people uh, from games who are in the stands and, and he had a good question. will was asking about kind of what's the, what are the guidelines is you know what do you ignore what do you not? Uh so we'll have that conversation tomorrow with Bill Barnes and for those who wanted my thoughts on it today well you're going to have to wait uh, 24 hours or so so but that's the plan. Uh Bill's got some good stories and, and I have a few as well regarding uh, our treatment of of fans or team personnel that are in the stands and uh misbehaving and and uh, having to address them. So uh thank you for your question Will but we will get to that on Wednesday with Bill Barnes. Oh man, guys. You know, I, I was asked to go to the beach on Monday, uh Labor Day, and I don't know if the beaches are open or what's what is, what isn't. I I really don't care. I, I made a conscious decision to myself years ago when I went to the beach on a 4th of July, an actual 4th of July day, and I told myself I'd never go again on a big holiday. Too crowded, too many people. Uh, and it's not even Related to COVID restrictions or anything, Uh, me being the old man that I am, when I was in my twenties and now in my thirties, I was just, you know what? No, no thanks. Thanks for the invite, but uh, uh, I know a lot of people go to the beach on these holidays: Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July. I know it's fun, but oh, just too many people for me. So, so I I declined and I stayed home and got a few things done and. Uh, got the podcast ready, did some interviews, and was looking forward to that football game uh, that that really never happened. So, thanks again for the invite. You know who you are, who invited me out there, but uh, now I, I I declined. I do not think you will find me at a beach anytime soon uh, during a major holiday. It's just there's too many people with that idea, and uh, like I said, I'm an old man already, and and yeah, no thank you, no thank you. A uh, couple things here. Um, David Harris Jr., who I follow on social media. Uh, he posts some really good things. Some really, he he uh, obviously his viewpoints are kind of a lot like mine. Uh, something he posted about Sunday was that there were over twelve thousand people who gathered in Sacramento at the state capitol to basically worship and uh, pray for the state of California. Uh, twelve thousand Christians gathered uh, outside the capitol and. It was about two hours. You all know who live in Southern California or Northern California that it was very hot this weekend. So I I was pretty inspired by that to see so many people gathering uh, up in Sacramento for that event and and just praying for our state because there's times when it's felt like no one cares and there are no people who – uh, you know, who pray out there, uh, especially about our state. So it was really cool to see. I'm glad it was just a peaceful moment to gather. And, and with some of the COVID restrictions, I'll say with California specifically, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, all these, all these uh, you can't worship in a church, uh, you can't gather, this and that. And so for that to be brought to the steps of the Capitol outside, I thought it was pretty powerful. It, it was really, really awesome to see. So if I got that story from uh, David Harris, Harris Jr., who I follow on Facebook and everything, but uh, it was out there. It was a big deal. So if you haven't heard uh, heard of that, check check out that. That happened on Sunday. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff. R- really cool to see. Um, something that's not that good right now is that there's a major fire going on in, uh, San Bernardino County, not too far from where I'm at, uh, right now and uh, my home is not threatened or anything, but we do know some people that do live out that way and, uh, things are not looking good for them uh, with the fire. It's up near Oak Glen, which if you listen to my podcast last week, I I was just up there a a week ago, Saturday. I mean, I was up there about nine days ago, nine, 10 days ago. And it's just really sad that, when you hear about these fires, man, that they could be avoided. They could, they could have been avoided. I, I know, um, Valerie's friend, uh, her best friend, uh, Tress, you know, her husband is a firefighter. So he's fighting this fire as, as we speak. And, and so it's just sad to see that people like them could potentially be in harm's way, could lose their home, even if things go really bad. So we're praying uh, that that doesn't happen, but, Ah, uh, God bless all the firefighters out there, man. It's uh, you guys <laughs> when you guys gotta work, you gotta work and it's it's just crazy. hope hope you all stay safe out there. Uh, apparently this fire started, I'm not lying guys, with a gender reveal party. okay? have you guys seen these these gender reveals on the internet? these. Oh, let me hit a golf ball. And if it explodes pink, it's a girl. If it explodes blue, it's a boy. So everyone's trying to be all clever and creative, just a social media fad. We're in, of course, look at, I've never been a parent. I've never, I've never experienced this. All right. But I think these gender reveals are getting a little carried away. The fact that this gender reveal that started this fire, apparently, um, it started by a smoke generating pyrotechnic device for a gender reveal party on September 5th in Eldorado ranch park in Yukaipa. Okay. If you're bringing in pyrotechnic smoke generating machines for your gender reveal, okay. You're getting a little carried away here, especially when that, Accident breaks out, and it's a, now a fire that's destroyed over seven thousand acres. I've heard over over eight thousand acres in some cases. So we'll see if these people get are held responsible for some of the damage and the lives that they ended up destroying. And I know it's ironic because you're you're excited about a new life coming into this world, but it's a smoke generating pyrotechnic machine that was really necessary for a gender reveal. Just buy some balloons, man. Just buy some balloons. I saw a few people, they did a, a golf swing, a baseball swing. I don't know. Cut cake with pink frosting or blue frosting. We need, we need to put smoke machines and all this stuff now. Ah, oh, it's unbelievable. Again, I've never been a parent, so I, I'm trying not to no, no, I I could speak because I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of homes that that could potentially be destroyed. Who may or may not be parents. Anyway, that's a a party gone wrong for sure. I'm sure it was just a mistake, but unfortunately, it doesn't sound like uh, there was a lot of common sense going into this gender reveal party, and, and unfortunately, it's it's ruining some lives um but anyway thoughts and prayers to everyone out there fighting the fires trying to avoid the fires uh it, it's just very sad that this is something that could have been avoided and, and unfortunately uh it's uh it's not it's not a good situation we get enough fires here in California and it's just one thing after another. i mean th- i'm curious if these people who did this gender reveal if they've ever lived in California before or if they're just blind to the fact that uh you know there could be some potential risks here with the heat and the winds and how dry everything is. Probably not a good idea to have a smoke machine or whatever you end up doing. Oh, anyway, thoughts and prayers. Again, everyone out there, this is, that's, that's unbelievable. Just when you think we've seen it all in 2020. No, no, no. Stay tuned. We just started a new month. We got four more months of this year. So, uh, stay on your toes guys. That's all I'm going to say. Stay on your toes out there. Some positive news. I heard, uh, on Sunday, excuse me, Monday night was that two Rio Hondo prep alums, Javier Rodriguez and Zach Stiver are starting up a podcast. They started up uh, some of their social media platforms and I love the name of their podcast. I absolutely love it. No episodes yet, but they're starting to promote it and get it going. These are two guys, again, Rio Hondo prep alums. They, I believe, live together. I could be wrong about that, but they are uh, good buddies, good friends, they have apparently some different viewpoints on some like political issues and everything. Uh, so their name of their podcast is the progressive and conservative podcast. And yes, when it's shortened and the handle of it is the pro and con pod. I thought that was one of the best titles I've ever heard of play, making a play on the words, uh, you know, pro and con and the progressive and conservative. I think that is phenomenal. And it's a great idea for two young men who maybe have different, different opinions But are good friends to either vent on the podcast or maybe argue. I don't know exactly what they have in mind for that, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, a few episodes, listening to a few episodes and seeing it grow. I think it's a spectacular idea. Zach Stiver, he was on the podcast not too long ago, a few few weeks back. Um, Just uh, two really good guys are Javier Rodriguez and Zach Stiver, Very, very much looking forward to listening to that podcast here coming up. So something to be excited about, guys, for for you out there who know those guys. And uh, man, I applaud both of you. Great idea. And I think uh, it's going to really take off when you guys get going here. So congrats to Javier and Zach. Okay, enough of my rambling today. Let's talk about our guest on the program today. Uh, Ed Hart runs a podcast himself. uh, But Ed Hart... Also is the former general manager of the Fullerton Flyers. I actually got my start in sports working for Ed Hart. Um, he, I was a senior at Fullerton. I needed a, an internship and I went to the Fullerton Flyers looking to do anything, to do anything really, anything sports related. My major was communications, specifically public relations. I wasn't sure what I needed to do with an internship. But I went to Ed Hart, and uh, I, I remember he I handed in my resume. He, he kind of pushed it aside, pushed it aside, and he said, uh, "I'm not a big resume guy. Let's just have a conversation." And it was there that kind of the friendship started. It started out as a an employee-employer uh, relationship, where I was I was just an intern getting some hours for my classes at Fullerton and everything. But I, a great experience for me. I got to help with the Fullerton Flyers, which was an independent professional baseball team in uh in obviously southern california uh from the golden baseball league independent league that uh, was stuck around a few years but it was there that i i started my my work uh journey in working in a press box running the scoreboards getting the umpires names before games uh running stats doing kind of whatever was needed behind the scenes really of Uh, a a sports team, a college or pro sports team. So from there, I went on to other things. I worked at Cal State Fullerton a little bit in their athletics. I worked for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, um, the Big West Conference, Fox Studios. I've done all these different things uh, that I'm really proud of. But getting my start with Ed Hart and the Fullerton Flyers was something I'll never forget. And he's he's a very gracious guy. He's extremely humble. Uh, He runs a podcast called From the Heart. And Ed is also a family business educator and consultant. He currently works at Cal State Fullerton in their uh, in their business side of things or business school. Uh, he also teaches uh, at a UC Riverside. He teaches a uh, sports leadership. Kind of course, uh, so we'll talk about all that. We'll get into all that during our conversation. But a lot of fun topics with Ed Hart. He loves USC football. He loves Cal State Fullerton baseball. He loves the Los Angeles Dodgers. He loves people. He loves talking to people, having conversations. Um, his podcast is is you know it's in the title there from the heart, and it really just talking to people. He talks to uh, people that are leaders in the community that have done well for themselves in business. He talked to the Lindsay Snyder who who was in charge of, or who owns in and out. He talked to Ben Malcolmson who was a walk on at USC and now is a right hand man of uh, Pete Carroll. He talked to, um, uh, Nicole Simpson, Nicole Simpson, uh, excuse me, Nicole Brown, who was, um, no, 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 I'm sorry. Check that Denise Brown, who was Nicole Brown Simpson's sister. Uh, unfortunately who, who passed, uh, Nicole Brown, who passed away in the, uh, in the murder in the mid nineties there with the OJ Simpson trial. So he talked to her sister, Denise Brown. There we go. Uh, So those are some of the guests he's had on his podcast. So I wanted him to tell us about his podcast, but also just talk about the different experiences he's had, because ultimately Ed, like I said, loves people. He's got a big heart himself, no pun intended there, or maybe a little. and, uh, he just enjoys hearing conversations and stories and journeys, and quite frankly, it sounds a lot similar to what we've been doing here at this podcast with some of our episodes we've been talking to a lot of different people, yes, I know a lot of real handle prep people, yes, I know a lot of sports officials and things like that, but every now and then there's some people that come come on uh like Ed Hart today who probably not too many of you people know about or really have ever crossed paths with. So I think you'll get something from this. I know I did in the conversation with Ed. Looking forward to you guys hearing this. I do want to say a few things about Ed. I post in in the episode details here, I post the link to his podcast. If you guys want to check that out, his podcast is called From the Heart, and uh, it's spelled like his last name, H-A-R-T. You can find uh, the Ed Hart podcast on Twitter. His handle is Hart, H-A-R-T underscore leadership. That is heart underscore leadership. So uh, that's the best way to follow uh, some of the things he posts uh, regarding his episodes and just his podcast in general. So he has an Instagram page as well. Um, If you have any other questions uh, that you want me to put you in touch with Ed Hart to follow any information or or whatever the case is, uh, definitely let me know. Uh, You know how to reach me, and I'm trying to put out some information for Ed Hart here for his podcast as well. His Instagram page is Ed Hart, or From the Heart Podcast. Excuse me, Ed Hart is the the host. But From the Heart Podcast is uh, the name of his Instagram page. So if you want to look there for some of the people he's had, that will give you plenty of information. Well, let's get right to it. Let's uh, dive in. We've talked long enough. It's time to have you guys hear our guest of honor today, Ed Hart, Just a tremendous person and uh, somebody that I'm really honored to call a friend. I'm just so grateful that he sat down, uh, took the time out of his busy day to record with me. So we will take a quick break and then we'll jump right into it with our interview with Ed Hart. Okay, joining us today is Ed Hart. Ed Hart is a fellow podcaster. He runs a podcast called From the Heart. We'll talk about that today. Uh, he is one of my first, we'll say, bosses back from uh, 2007 when I was an intern at Cal State Fullerton, looking for a, looking for an internship for the summer. And at the time, Mr. Ed Hart was the general manager of the Fullerton Flyers, also known as the Orange County Flyers, uh, in the Golden Baseball League. And he uh, brought me on board. We'll also talk about that. Uh, Ed is also the director of the Center for Family Business at Cal State Fullerton. So we got a lot of different things to talk about. I haven't talked to him in like 13 years, I think. So
0: uh, <laughs> Ed Hart, welcome to the program. Thanks, man. It's good to see you. I know it's it, it's amazing that uh, we, as we were just saying right before hit record, that it's been 13 years since <laughs> you had your your uh, one and done, I suppose, year with the Flyers, and I had my last year with the Flyers before I got into what my wife calls a big boy job. <laughs> I went up the flyers and came home and told her, you know, hey, I was in a contract negotiation with the owners and and we decided to, you know, shake hands and and move on. Her response was something along the lines of, "Thank goodness, now you can go get the big boy job." So <laughs> she loved the baseball job, but it, it was it, it was a toll, that's for sure. But yeah, ba- I did, it was a toll.
1: Yeah, baseball is baseball's interesting. I mean, that's the only way to really explain it to people and. You know, at at I was a senior at Cal State Fullerton, going into my senior year and part of my major, you had to have a internship and I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, I had followed Cal State Fullerton baseball and they were promoting this Fullerton Flyers team in the summer, the Golden Baseball League and I was like, "What is that?" So I looked into it. I said, "Well, maybe they have something." And I remember going to you, the first time I met you, I went into your office and I brought my resume and I said, you know, hi, Ed, Ed, Mr. Hart. I'm, I'm Matt Hersema. I just looking for some type of internship, something to contribute. Uh, I handed you my resume and you put the resume kind of aside and you said, I'm not a big resume guy. I much prefer having a conversation. And I have and always, that's always stuck with me.
0: I, I'm, a, I'm a people person. I mean, I, like, we all send resumes. We all can put our best foot forward on our resume and make ourselves look like qualified to be the next CEO of Apple if we put the right <laughs> words on a resume. And ultimately, we can tell more in a conversation with someone in five minutes about a person than anything else. And that's that's how I felt with you. The first thing you did right was you called me Mr. Hart. Not that it's an ego thing, but, um, you know, the, the generation behind us have kind of lost it. I'm not going to say they lost the respect by any stretch but I think my generation is at fault because we start letting our kids call our friends by their first names and so even to this day when someone refers to someone's mister or missus I think that's a tremendous amount of respect shown and yeah I mean I, I'd much rather just say you'd be surprised actually how few people walked into my office and did what you did and even to this day I've been at Cal State Fullerton now for nine years and um, when a student walks in and, and hands me their resume I, I still do the same thing it's like I'll look at this later but have a seat if I have time and usually I do And um, let's just chat Mm -hmm. Because ultimately how you, how you can have a conversation and how you can dialogue with someone says a lot more about you than you can see on paper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with you there. And uh, you know, in in today's world with technology and everything is kind of the new piece of paper where people can look good online uh, but ultimately, we're, we're losing that face-to-face conversations we have with people and those impressions we make where uh, you can really read people, like you were saying. So I, I was incredibly grateful that it worked out that day. You brought me on board. I don't think uh, we knew what I was going to be doing that summer with the team, but uh, we found a few odd jobs running the scoreboard and uh, just assisting guys in the press box and stuff. One of my favorite things to do was – go down the uh go down the stairs to the umpires and get their names bring them up to the press box so that the broadcasters and the guys running the stats would know that and that's how i established a few relationships with some umpires where i later uh, you know got into minor league baseball umpiring and everything but i remember ed one of my first days i think we we were there and the game was over and and you brought in food. You guys fed the press box, burritos
0: or something. and,
1: mm-hmm. and Chipotle,
0: they were brand new in town in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <If> I can <laughs> remember because that's, that's who we use a lot.
1: <laughs> I think you were, eating a, you were eating a burrito. You handed one to me and you looked at me in the eyes. And remember, I was doing an internship here and you said something like, hey, how does 35 bucks a game sound? And I about dropped my burrito because I was like, you're going <laughs> to pay me $35 to come watch a baseball game? I <laughs> thought it was the greatest thing in the world.
0: Well, you know, I felt like I needed to cut my salary in half, so I figured I might as well give you some of it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I still, I w- I, that, that's funny, and I, I, I don't remember that, but I do remember one morning laying in bed next to my wife, and, and I started giggling, and she goes, what are you laughing at? And I said, I'm about to put on shorts, a baseball cap, a golf shirt, and some tennis shoes, and go to the ballpark, and they're going to pay me. Yeah. yeah, but they're not going to pay you much. I go, well, no, but I'm still going to be getting a paycheck for going and doing what a lot of people would pay to do. So, yeah, it's, no, you worked hard and you deserved it. And it's funny because if you'd have asked me, you know, what was Matt's job when he was with the Flyers that season, I knew you were in the press box a lot, but we all wore so many hats. And I remember you dragging the field. I remember you going down and getting the Empire names. I remember you coordinating our script. I remember you running the scoreboard think you were even the official scorekeeper for a time if not the whole season and I just I remember anywhere there were certain people and you were one of those that whenever there was something that needed to be done I knew I could rely on you and more often than not you saw the need before I did and it was already handled so kudos to you for that so I really uh my only regret is that we only had that one season together because it was yeah. your one season and my last season mm-hmm.
1: yeah it was a fun time it was my introduction into uh, sports kind of behind the scenes and the operations and how things worked and I knew I always kind of wanted to participate in so, some way in helping in the press box or uh, just kind of learning things and, and you were very helpful in that regard you, you you showed me a lot of different things and it was fun learning again, wearing a lot of different hats and uh, in professional baseball at the time. And, and, Ed, let's go back a few years before that. How did you get involved as the general manager of the Fullerton Flyers? Was there a, a – how does one become that from, for a league, the Golden League, that wasn't really in existence?
0: Well, there's a, there's a short, medium, and a long version, and I won't bore your listeners with the long version, but I'll give a little bit more than the short version. Uh, and you're going to laugh when I start this story because it's going to sound like I'm going into the long the long version of it. When I was 18 and, and a student at Fullerton High School, a uh, group in Fullerton by the way, um, I, uh, I had an advanced comp class where our teacher asked us to write an essay and she entitled it My Life at Age 40 and it was just a, more of a an exercise on writing but it was really, you know, we were 18 year old kids for the most part then and figuring out, okay, what do I want to be doing 22 years from now? So among a lot of different things in that paper that I wrote that ironically or, or miraculously came true, one that I wrote was that I would be a general manager of a professional baseball team at age 40. Now, in 1982, when that took place, you know, my, my vision was Dodgers or Angels, because I didn't even think about minor league baseball then. I don't know what minor league teams even existed in Southern California in 1982. I know the <laughs> ones we have now didn't. Um, so in my mind, I'm thinking Dodgers or Angels, and preferably Dodgers, because I am a huge Dodger fan then and now um anyway fast forward uh, I turned 40 in 2004 and later that year I was in a job well for several years I was in a job at that time selling point of sale systems for stadiums and arenas uh the the, basically the inventory software on the back of the house and the cash register on the front of the house venues like Staples Center and Wrigley Field and Dodger Stadium and you know 50 other venues around North America had our system and some still do in the system that I sold way back when. But I met, uh, in 2004, I met a guy by the name of Alan Day. Alan ran a a food and beverage company up in the central part of California and Alan was running, uh, had been asked to provide food and beverage services for this new startup Golden Baseball League that you alluded to earlier. And Alan called me one day when I was working with this company Quest, this point of sale company. And, said, hey, would your, would your point of sale system work in a multi-team league where it's all owned by the same league? And I said, yeah, it definitely will. So fast forward to I did a demo up in Pleasanton, California, where the league offices were at the time. And uh, met with guys like uh, Amit Patel, who's now an exec, with, I think, with Buffalo Wild Wings. And uh, um a lot of other guys whose names are escaping me right now, but one guy in particular, Dave Cavill. Dave is now the president of the Oakland A's, as you probably know. but uh, Dave was one of the founders with MIT of the Golden League. and I met with them and did the demo and showed them you know about the point of sale system and about a month later after they decided they weren't going to buy our system, um, their assistant general manager who worked for me for one year, uh, his name's Nick Barkley. Nick's still in minor league baseball. Nick reached out to me and asked if I knew anybody, his words, do you know anybody in orange County that might be interested in running the minor league baseball team here in Fullerton? Our guy, um, had to leave, you know, we hadn't even announced, they hadn't announced the team name or the logo or anything yet. (laughs) This was December actually of 2004. So after, you know, about five seconds of, of trying to think of who I knew, I said, well, I know one guy (laughs) and, uh, um, threw my hat in the ring and got some interviews and went up and met with all the guys up in Pleasanton. And, and because of my sales background, my sports passion, uh, the fact that I lived in Fullerton and had a lot of connections in that community. Uh, they, they took a risk on a guy who had no baseball experience, no, no front office experience and, and hired me to be the GM. So that is not the path most people will take. And, um, you know, to this day, I, I still stay in touch with, with Dave, with the A's, you know, we talk and text pretty regularly. And um, I just feel very blessed, very lucky that they gave me that chance. And I, I would do a lot of things differently now if I could go back and do it again. Learned a lot about leadership and about people and about myself and my strengths and weaknesses. But um, yeah, I, uh, I believe it or not, this is the medium or short version. <laughs> if you want the long <laughs> version, you know, we'll have a cup of coffee sometime. But yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the story behind how I got that job. Purely, purely luck. Well, well, it's funny
1: though, that how life works out sometimes where you you make a goal and you're pretty confident you're going to make that goal or, you know, reach it, but it's in a completely different version that you expected. I mean, technically it happened, but it was very different. So if you could take us into kind of the day, day by day operations, you did it for three years. Yeah. uh, Yeah. what what was it like being the general manager of an independent professional baseball team?
0: You know, it was funny because I so I get this job. I'll, I'll pick up the story a little bit. I get this job. I start in January of two thousand five. My first day, we're at the Fullerton train station, the Amtrak train station, which is where they announced me as the GM. Gary Templeton, who was our manager, was out there. Uh, lots of great stories about Gary um, <laughs> and just working with these former major leaguers. And they announced the logo, and it was really fun to be out there. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in for this event where they're going to introduce me and announce the logo and so forth. And Lou Ponzi, a reporter for the uh, then Fullerton Tribune, Orange County Register, you know, chain of papers,
1: is interviewing
0: me out in front of the Amtrak station in Fullerton, and my wife and kids, and my kids are all teenagers, or even, yeah, they're all teenagers, then, Um four of them walked up and they're looking at me like, why are they interviewing you? And I'm like, I know, seriously, why would they interview me? Who am I, what do I have? But uh, no, the, the day in life, I, I remember asking Nick, that G, assistant GM I mentioned earlier, um, as we were in the office, I'm probably two, three months in, You know, I think I started a job late January, the season started in May, June, probably March. I'm just having one of these panic attack moments in my office, that same office where you walked in that day and we had that first conversation. And um, I'm on Nick. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I know right now I'm selling sponsorships and I'm sampling hot dogs and talking to vendors and talking to the guys at Cal State Fullerton about our contract with the stadium there and all these other little things. But come game day, when the season starts, what do I do? What's my job? You know, I know Nick, what your job is, and I know what Brian's job is in ticket sales, and I know what everybody else does. Um, he said your job is just make sure everybody else has what they need, that the fans are happy, that the team has what they need that the, you know, just oversee, oversee and make sure everybody just, you know, basically talk to people. It's like, gee, a job where I get to just walk around watching baseball and talking to people. Why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, a lot of it was just, you know, it was, it was fun. I mean, I, like I said earlier, I would do a lot of things differently if I could do it over again. I know that I didn't, uh, you know, do, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be executive executive of the year by any stretch on any of the three years I was there, but I don't think many other people had as much passion and and drive and heart for what I was doing as I did because I just, I loved working with everybody. The fans would come in at whatever time the gates opened till the time they left and, you know, eating burritos in the press box with you and the other guys (laughs) going down to the dugout during the game and hanging out with these guys and, and uh, meeting amazing people and and hearing tremendous baseball stories. I'm a baseball nerd like you and I'm, (laughs) I'm holding a baseball in my hand as we're talking right now. And I usually do. And it's not because I'm talking to you. It's just this is what I do. And so, um, yeah, it was just it was just it it was hard. It was a lot of long hours. It was um, a lot of stress, a lot of what the heck am I doing here? But at the end of the day, you know, when those gates open and there was a ball game, I got to watch baseball for a living and, and, uh, you know, entertain people, which is a part of my personality, I guess you could say.
1: Well, it it was definitely a unique experience. I had been to Rancho Cucamonga Quakes games before. I had seen kind of what that was like. The Golden Baseball League was very different. It was independent professional baseball, meaning there's no affiliation with a major league team. Like the Quakes are the A-ball, the Dodgers, and at the time I think they were the Angels. Uh, But So there's no affiliation. And so you're dealing with guys that have either been in the minor leagues and were released or guys that are just looking for any opportunity off the bat. So uh, as far as independent league players, it's a unique experience. Uh, later, later on down, 10 years, after I worked there, I ended up umpiring in the American association, which is a pretty well-known uh, yeah. independent league, but it was the first time I saw independent league baseball in, in, in 07 and in, in the year of 07. And, but ultimately Ed, you can call it whatever you want. It's still professional baseball. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like the term semi pro because I don't quite know what that means. It's, profe- it's professional baseball.
0: We paid the guys. I mean, yeah, our, our average salary was like $800 a month for a player, but <laughs> you know, these are guys who are not doing it for the money. Um, like you said, these are guys who either were overlooked in the draft, never got picked up and you got a lot of guys that are really talented that just got overlooked because maybe they played, you know, in the shadow of a superstar at a mid-level college, or maybe they just weren't a star at D1, you know, they played for Cal State Fullerton or USC or LSU or one of these schools that had a tremendous baseball program. And maybe this was the guy that just was, you know, didn't come into his own until after college. Uh, As you mentioned, we had a lot of guys that were injured in minor league baseball. Um, Two of my favorite, I mean, for me to sit here and go, okay, who are my favorite players would be unfair because I, I, I still to this day, think of them as my sons. Um, Dave Bacani, who played at Cal State Fullerton, went on to be a Golden Spikes Award winner at Cal State Fullerton, which is one of the top amateur, if not the top amateur baseball player or college baseball player of the year, went on and played in the minor leagues, moved his way up, I believe, as high as AAA, second baseman. Brett Levere, similar story, moved his way up as a shortstop in, in minor leagues, and then eventually was released. Brett and Dave came and eventually played for us, and for my money, and I've watched a lot of baseball in my life to this day, Um, there aren't a whole lot of second-base shortstop double play combos like Bacani (laughs) and Levere that I've ever seen. And this was independent minor league baseball. And to your point, Matt, this is – we always tell people somewhere between single and double A. You know, if a guy was bought from our team, he'd end up in single A and move up quickly. We had Mm -hmm. a couple of guys that moved all the way to the big leagues pretty quickly from us. Uh, And then the third level of guys that came out were the Ricky Hendersons and the Paul Abbots and the Jose Cansecos (laughs) and the Mark Pryors who were – hopefully just trying to work their way back up. And uh, I don't know of any that, that did. I know an independent ball people at Rich Hill's an example of a guy who played independent ball on the East coast and made it back up. He may have played in the American Association. I know he played with Long Island and others back East, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, and it's, and it's, again, it's entertainment, but for these ball players, it's a chance to prove themselves or to work their way back. They're not, like I said, they're not doing it for the money. So they're doing it for, for that opportunity
1: yeah it was uh it was something very different uh, again attendance it wasn't yeah, always yeah. that great uh you know there's a lot of options in Southern California, especially orange county yeah as, as far as things to do uh people love college baseball they go to those games uh yeah dave Bacani, one of my, one of my first guys I really enjoyed watching when he was in college uh but but anyway yeah, there there were some other contacts there uh with the flyers the people that have either continued to excel or or really took off from there i mean jordan moore was Mm -hmm. the uh, radio guy or the internet radio broadcasting guy for the flyers at the time uh you know now he is the basketball play-by-play play guy for usc and he's also the sideline reporter for usc football so it's cool to see that jordan was a guy uh working as for the flyers one of his early jobs and then now he's he's working big time over at usc
0: you know, Jordan's story is similar to you. He, in 2005, he had graduated from USC, contacted me um, via email, also sent me a, a, a demo reel because he had done some broadcasting for USC radio when he was a student there. And um, just same type of thing, you know, just, hey, what can I do? And And so my response back was, look, I don't have a budget for radio, but I'll tell you what if you can come in and work sponsorship sales and you can earn enough sponsorships to cover your salary and to cover any costs we have for radio, the job's yours. So he did, he jumped in at the end of 2005, after our first season, worked that whole offseason in sponsorship sales. Uh, We brokered a deal with a little internet radio company and a small, very low broadband radio station in Fullerton. And it was enough that we could say we had a radio deal and (laughs) put it on all of our information on all of our, you know, marketing materials and so forth and it was enough that anybody that had internet could listen to us anywhere which really I think the the beneficiaries of that were the parents of the players you know kids on our team from all over the country whose parents live in you know wherever aren't going to travel to Fullerton to necessarily to watch their son play independent minor league baseball but knowing that they could log on to the web and listen to their son pitch or, or play it was pretty cool Yeah, and yeah, I think one of the things, Matt, that I'm most proud of in that job, and I know that's not what you're asking, but you mentioned Jordan, so I have to to go there, Mm -hmm. is about, and I I, I used to have the number precisely, but it's changed, 26 to 28 people who worked for me in the three years that I ran the team, it was their first job in sports. So we hired a lot of interns and a lot of right out of college, like yourself and Jordan and others. 26 to 28 have got, went on to, um, Jobs in, in major professional sports. You know, I look at Jordan as one of those. Obviously, oh, yeah. I would think that doing what he's doing at USC is considered major. Um, a guy named Kyle Haygood was one of my sales guys in 2005, Cal State Fullerton, alum as well. Went on and earned a ring with the Anaheim Ducks in their ticket sales. Worked for the Angels for seven years. Ty um, Newell, who was with us, plays three and Web. Webb a photographer role with the LA Lakers, uh, got a ring or two with the Lakers back in, you know when they were winning rings. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so a lot of these people went on to, to. And I'm not taking any credit for that. I just feel like you know we created a platform and a springboard for people who wanted to get some experience in sports, like you did. You go. You talked earlier. I you go down and talk with the umpires, and I don't know if that's you. To bring, Started with us, and you went to you know a dream opportunity, umpiring in minor league baseball, which was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's just it really t- you know you won't say this, Ed, but I'll say it. I mean, your your leadership really uh, had a lot to do with that. I think, and giving guys opportunities and then seeing them advance and do great things. I mean, I think that's attributed to to a lot of what you did as well uh, for for so many people. And in, in your three years there with the Flyers, uh, one one guy in particular who had kind of had experience unlike the rest of us was uh chris Albaugh. chris had been around yeah. in professional sports in college sports there at cal state fullerton uh he is a very good friend of mine I, I that was the first time i met him was that season and uh him and i became very good friends and uh it, it's so cool to talk with him and see that he continues to do great things what what can you speak on about chris Albaugh and uh your experiences
0: with him and the flyers You mentioned earlier, one of the things we did every year is because Cal State Fullerton baseball starts to to Omaha for the College World Series, it seemed, Um, I got to go to a lot of Cal State Fullerton games before my first season. I mean, I was working for the Flyers in, you know, beginning of 2005 during the Titans baseball season, and I'd heard this PA guy, and I knew, you know, he was really good, and I loved his voice and his enthusiasm and, and so forth, and I had the good fortune of meeting a lot of people with Cal State Fullerton Athletics. Steve Detola, who's been the associate AD there for forever, still there. Um, I asked Steve one day, I, "Hey, who's that guy doing PA? I'm looking for a PA guy for the Flyers." And so he took me in on an inning break, or you know, at some point he might have been after the game one night and introduced me to Chris. And I said, "Hey, is it, you know, I'm Ed Hart, new GM of the Fullerton Flyers, coming into town and um, looking for a PA guy." And uh, I think it took one conversation for him to say, yeah, let's do it. So Chris came out and, you know, every year that I ran the Flyers those three years plus additional years, he he stayed on as our PA guy. And a and, uh, couple of times he had a conflict and couldn't do it. And so, you know, I think Jordan did a game once for me. I did a game once and we had, you know, we had fans come in and do it and which was pretty fun. But now, you know, when, you, when you're when you running an organization, whether it's an independent minor league baseball team or or whatever the organization is, the fewer the moving parts, the better. And when you can find people who are reliable and who are good at their job and you just don't have to remind them to come to work every day, which you'd be surprised how often we'd have to text kids and say, hey, don't forget, we have a game tonight. But when you had professional guys like Chris and like you and George Kyle and some of these others I've talked about, um, who just, you just knew they were going to show up and do a great job. It was just such a load off to not have to worry about it. And so, and and yeah, I mean, Chris and I, we've stayed in touch. As we talked about earlier, I I go to some Quakes games back, you know, in the day when you could do those things. And uh, I'd I'd see Chris and hear him and always make sure I work my way up to the press box to say hi to Chris. Really, really good.
1: He's a pro man. He's been around a long time, worked for the Raiders and, and experience in MLB and NBA and, uh, he does a great job with the Quakes and, and uh, Cal state Fullerton. And uh, we talk about that year, we kind of worked together and, and he, again, because of that, those experiences with Chris that summer, I was able to kind of get my foot in the door, working with the Cal state Fullerton baseball team the next year. And so it was just us all working together. And I was there a few more seasons, just doing part-time game management stuff or game operations, uh, just a blast. So Chris and I, very good friends. He's a true pro uh, he yeah. speaks highly of you, I know, as most people do. And uh, just, I, pay them,
0: I, I pay people off well. <laughs> you know, but, no, I, was just, I was raised by parents who taught me how to treat people. And, you know, all I take credit for is that I listened to my mom and dad. You know, I mean, I just I listened. I saw the successes that they were having and I saw how people responded to them. And I thought, you know what, that's what what, happen, what I do with my career is a lot less important than how I do it. I have made a lot of mistakes and I promise I will make more in in my job now and in future jobs Um, as a dad, as a grandpa, as a friend, I'll I'll continue to make mistakes, but I learn a lot by observation. And um, I watched a lot of great people. I have watched a lot of great people through my career uh, and really just tried to say, what is it that makes them great at what they do? And more often than not, Matt, it's their people skills. It's how they, it's just how they treat people. And so that's made an impression on me, more than statistics, more than anything else. It's, I look at Mookie Betts, who the Dodgers just signed, and, you know, we're 40 games into the Major League Baseball season, and obviously Mookie has turned out to be a a tremendous find for the Dodgers, not a find, I mean, they traded for him, but a tremendous addition to this team that won 106 games last year, and then they add Mookie Betts, but the value of a guy like that to this organization is so much more than what he produces on the field. He's just a, and I'm using Mookie as just a one a one time today. And there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of examples like that in any industry. He just knows how to how to communicate and treat people. And when I hear players talk about him as a teammate, yeah, he's a great ball player. But man, the guy is just a clubhouse guy. You know, and I just love that term.
1: No, absolutely. And, and you talk about observing. I mean, what's that, uh, that Yogi Berra quote? You, you can observe a lot by watching. Uh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> definitely. You know, I, I know there's a lot of Yogi quotes, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's oh, actually man. one that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And, and I love Yogi-isms. Uh, they make yeah. they make a ton of sense to me. Uh, well, what can you tell me yet about uh life after the flyers, you you moved into some other work. I know you're currently working at Cal state Fullerton and in their, uh, uh, what would you call it? Business, uh, business center side of things, or what, what could you tell me about after fly after the flyers and kind of where you ended up now?
0: Yeah. So when I made the decision and it was really kind of a mutual, it wasn't a, I sat down with Alan Mintz, who was the owner who bought the team prior with a group of men and women who bought the team prior to 2007 and Alan and I sat down together um, towards the end of the 2007 season, which turned out to be my last year, to talk about a new contract and talk about, you know, my future with the Flyers. And, and just the vision he had was a little different than the vision that I had for me. Uh, he had a great opportunity for me to to move into the president role and really head up sales and really do the community stuff, which would have been great. The concern was, you know, I had four kids approaching college age, and, and money was, you know, certainly a, a factor. And even Alan, to this day, he's always been a very strong cheerleader of mine and and a proponent of, of, of me. And he just said, like, I don't think I can pay you what you're worth, and if you want to stay, that would be great, but um, I'm going to leave it up to you. And so we decided that day that 2007 would be my last year. So I spent a lot of time looking after, you know, towards the end of that year and and throughout the end of that baseball season sending out resumes and talking to a lot of people. I thought I was gonna pursue a job in athletics. I had an offer at UC Santa Barbara to go up and be the Associate Athletic Director there. And I was really thinking that was gonna be my path. I even talked to general managers of baseball teams all over the country. I have a couple of close friends on the East Coast who have teams who had said, if an opportunity ever comes up, you know, we'll let you know. And but I got lucky and I, I just, I, I applied for a lot of different jobs. One was a, a director of business development job at USC and uh, found myself by the end, of, or I guess it was, yeah, November of 2011 or 202007. 2007. So shortly after our, our season, found myself working full-time at USC. A lot of great stories there, great opportunities there during the Pete Carroll era. I was working at the business school, so I wasn't in athletics, but had some, some, uh, some opportunities to, to cross paths with Pete and others. And, did that for about four years, and then an opportunity opened up at Cal State Fullerton in 2011, and that's where I've been since. And my my focus now is um, I always tell people if you if you have a family, you have conflict, uh, just by nature of being in a relationship with with another person or with fa- your parents or siblings or what have you or children. If you have a job or work for a company, you also have conflict. Well. Put those two together and imagine the conflict working in a family business and I've worked for two or three family businesses in the past so I make a living Matt now working with family owned companies who are um you know some that you have heard of that you know companies that are family owned like In N Out Burger Los Angeles Lakers nor these aren't clients but these are just to give you an idea of family companies you know Nordstrom Walmart uh Jack Daniels Bush Beans you know enterprise rent a car you uh, most of the families that I work with are companies you've not heard of. Uh, they have very real issues when it comes to um, succession planning, which child took over the business, how do they resolve some of these conflicts that I mentioned? Um, how do they prepare for their transition as owners of the company onto the next thing when they retire and pass the business on? So about 70% of businesses in the nation are family owned. And uh, I'm I'm very, very blessed that I get to work with some tremendous business leaders and owners and consultants and service providers to, to help these family businesses thrive. So it's uh, I found my calling. I thought baseball was it. It wasn't. I thought uh, staying at USC the rest of my life was going to be it, and it wasn't. And I don't know if staying at Cal State Fullerton the rest of my life is it either, but I do know that what is is that I will continue to work with family companies because this is what I really love doing.
1: Well, that's pretty uh, fantastic stuff uh, hearing just kind of the transition and, that, like, finding – it's just funny how things work out sometimes. That, that's what I'll say. And yeah. uh, I, I know you're a big USC football fan. You you grew sure. up, yeah. You grew up in Fullerton. You're a Cal State Fullerton baseball fan. I gotta say, so it's got to be cool in some way to kind of over the course of your career to have been a part of both of those universities that yeah. uh, you've been a fan of. I mean, right? It's it's got to be
0: just a thrill. Well, I went to school for a while. I graduated from Pepperdine, but before I transferred to Pepperdine to finish my graduate or my undergraduate degree, I, I did some time at USC. So I felt like I needed to go work at USC so they could pay me back all the money <laughs> I gave them when I was a student. <laughs> no, I, yeah, you know, my dad uh, did his master's at SC. My sister went to USC. Um, I was a little conflicted growing up because my dad taught in an executive education program at UCLA um, during the, uh, you know during and shortly after the John Wooden era, era when I was a really little guy. And uh, so I grew up with John Robinson as the football coach at USC and John Wooden as the basketball coach at US at UCLA as my examples of coaches. And I've, I've always paid close attention to, to how people coach, having played sports my whole life and watched sports. Um, so I was one of those rare hybrid, I guess you could say, um, I love USC football. I love UCLA basketball. And my brother played baseball at Cal state Fullerton. So I, I had, I just, I'm, I'm just a front runner. I pick the schools that are best and, and just root for them. And, you know, I'm still that way. People say, why are you a Dodger fan? Cause they were always good. You know? <laughs> you know, why not an angel fan when you could see angel stadium literally from your bedroom? Cause they weren't any good. You know, <laughs> what else do you need to know they, they weren't good. And you know, I like, I like having postseason. I like rooting for a team to win. I mean, if you're going to root for a team, why not root for a team that's winning? So that's how I looked at it.
1: That, that's hilarious, and I <laughs> and I love though I love the fact that it's still local teams because you see that sometimes with people sure. rooting for teams from far away and everything. So, well, we'll take me through each of those if you could. At uh, USC football, I don't mean to break your heart, but it's you know it's Saturday uh, Labor Day weekend. This this should be USC football time. Uh, it's not getting played. I mean. Uh, how how upsetting is it to see that the Pac-12 is not going to play football at least right now?
0: You know, it's um, gosh, man. If you'd have asked me that question in March or April, I'd have been devastated. I'd have been going, no way, Cal- they can't be canceling Cal- or, you know college football, or they can't be postponing or playing you know sports in front of no fans. None of us en- envisioned that, you know, um, just even six months ago because and again I I know you know the sports guy in me I I I I would love to be you know my dad's 93 years old and still you know thank God he's still alive and healthy and he's actually coming over tonight to watch the Dodger game here at our house but um you know I would be in his house probably today watching college football we'd be barbecuing or sending out for for food and and, uh, you know, between games, we'd jump in the pool and then come back and dry off and, and watch more sports. And <laughs> nobody misses USC football like I do. I just, I love the pageantry, the color. I love the, you know, whether the team's really, really good or or struggling like they have over the last few years. It's just, you know, I grew up as a kid walking down the street to my neighbor's house on New Year's Day. And it just seemed like it was always USC versus Ohio State or USC versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl. So always an SC fan. Um you know, going to school at USC, I, I had classes with Rodney Pete and a couple other guys that played on the team and didn't get to know those guys because <laughs> I knew who they were, but there's no way they would ever know who I am. But um, yeah, just really just uh, one of the guys that was on my board of the Flyers, Vic Rodriguez, name you may remember. Vic um, and I and Jordan and a few others had our, our Trojan Tailgate Club. We did USC football games on Saturdays during. You know the flyer season would end and and usually our flyer season last week of the season would overlap for the with the first week of fo- college football and then after that we would just pick up and every saturday instead of going to the ballpark for baseball we'd go out to the coliseum for for usc football so just yeah always been a trojan fan through and through um just yeah so many great memories with my dad and even memories we're building now but just love being out at the Coliseum and and. Um, it's hard for me to pinpoint why i love usc so much other than just it's been just ingrained in my childhood just like being a dodger fan has i guess well
1: i think usc football has one of the best traditions around specifically just like you said the pageantry the bands the the whole concept of the trojans and a coliseum
0: not say the song girls. the song yeah there you go
1: song girls yeah absolutely Uh, best in the business well and all these other you know the the sec the big 12 they all got nice traditions and i I will say their fan they care so much about their football down there but sc has a great tradition and what would you say ed has been the biggest uh the, the why usc football has struggled so much in recent years. I know with a lot of fans, they're like, well, do you need to be in the national championship game. And it's like, wait a minute. I mean, to me, if you're going to Rose Bowls, that's pretty, that's pretty successful year. Uh, but unfortunately the USC program has gone backwards a little bit, I think in recent years, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on what it's been like the past few years uh, being a USC Trojan fan?
0: I think part of it, you, you touched on it. I mean, when, when you have a successful program, and then, you know, and by success, you know, fans see championships. They see Heisman, Heisman trophies. They see, you know, I think to, to at, at this moment, there's 50-something USC alums playing in the NFL. I don't know if that number is right, but I'd heard that number recently from a friend of mine who, who works in the NFL. And um, so I think we get used to winning. We're never You're never going to continue to win championships unless you're the New York Yankees in the 50s that just win every year or the Celtics of, you know, <laughs> yesteryear. Um so I think success is relative, number one. So a lot of teams would probably still to this day love to have that eight and three USC team that we had a couple of years ago, whereas for USC alums and fans, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Also, just parity competition. And I think that, you know, SC started really thriving under, under Pete Carroll um, when it seemed like any blue chip high school football player, their first choice was USC and then when they started looking at, you know, the, the run and gun teams of Oregon and opportunities to maybe play sooner at another school in the Pac-12 might have just made it so that there's just more more parity. These kids, SC doesn't own Southern California recruits anymore. You look at an Oregon roster, and it's hard this year because we're not looking at rosters right now, but <laughs> in any given year, you're looking at a roster and you're seeing – you know, nearly as many California kids on these Oregon and Washington and Arizona teams as you are on USC and UCLA. So I think that, and you see kids from California on the East Coast now. I mean, the LSUs and Alabamas and the Florida, you know, SEC and ACC have done a lot of recruiting out here. So it just spreads the talent out. Um, I think parity in anything is a good thing in sports. Maybe not for the team that just got worse, but certainly for the teams that were bad. Parity is great because it means they can compete. Um, and, you know and Pete just had a nature about him something about Pete Carroll just uh, you know I remember when he was hired he wasn't any of our I didn't have a vote but I mean as a former SC guy at that time none of us wanted him as our head coach because he didn't have the big name he didn't have the tremendous success behind him went five and five in his first year or something along those lines and then boom next thing we know we're competing for national championships and it's really the energy and enthusiasm of that coach and it's hard to follow the guy. I always tell people in the job I'm in now, I'm at Cal State Fullerton. The guy who had my job before me did it for 12 years. His name is Mike Trueblood. He's now 90. He retired in eight when he was 81. I always say that Mike Trueblood was to Cal State Fullerton what Vince Lombardi was to the NFL and the Green Bay Packers. Everybody knew who he was and he was a legend. And then some guy that nobody can remember came along after. Well, I'm that some guy. You know, I'm that guy now in my current job that – Maybe someday they'll say, oh, yeah, Ed Hart, he's the guy that followed Mike Trueblood at Cal State Fullerton. I think a lot of guys have tried to replace Pete, and now everybody looks at Pete as the benchmark. Let's do it his way, and nobody's going to. Um, You know, you, you can't compare. You know, I always laugh at the argument, who's the greatest baseball team of all time? Well, I don't know. I mean, the Mariners, they won 116 games one year. Yeah, they didn't win the World Series. Maybe it's the O2 Angels who didn't win their division but won it by winning the wild card and getting there. I mean, there's just no way of saying who the best is. Yet we all compare it to the best, so it's hard. I'd love to see SC being more competitive, and who knows, maybe 2020 would have been the year. We'll never know. But um, they're competing, and they're they're it's still entertaining, and I love it either way. I'd rather win, but they're still they're still fun to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, they absolutely are. I mean, it's a great program, and I think when they were really uh, riding high they were getting players from all over the country i mean guys from new jersey and texas and colorado and florida they were getting the best players from all of those states also and now you're seeing i mean the top two quarterbacks in california they're going to alabama and clemson i mean it's just kind of how things are now and i i think it's a vicious circle i think yeah. it'll come back around eventually um but college yeah. football man it's 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 a blast i'm glad that at least we're seeing some of it this year already
0: yeah, I, I saw your post recently that said something about you know it's August and I'm rooting for Austin P. <laughs> that was
1: hilarious. <laughs> I flipped, yeah, I flipped the game on today. I was like, well, let's see, uh, Marshall and Eastern Kentucky. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna watch this. Like, this is better. Uh, my dad had a saying. My dad, a uh, big football fan, he always told us, "Yeah, uh, some football is better than no football." And I was like, "Yeah, I hear you. I hear it there." <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh man. Well, that's well, how I
0: feel about it. I'm I'm more of a baseball fan, but I definitely agree with that with football as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And and Ed, you grew up in Fullerton, you you were the GM of the Flyers. We talked about that. Um you didn't you weren't really affiliated with Cal State Fullerton until later in life, but did you have a did you have an interest in Cal State Fullerton baseball? Uh, being up the street from you, did did a lot of people who live in that area do they understand at least uh, years ago when Fullerton was was decent and better than they are I think currently, did did people understand in Fullerton that you know this is a pretty good baseball program that's really has a, a pretty rich history?
0: You know, Fullerton, Matt has been a baseball town since my dad was a kid. I mentioned before he's ninety three now. He grew up in Monrovia. He played baseball in high school, and he he remembers, you know, Fullerton High School and Cal State Fullerton and and the Fullerton teams just being, you know, a baseball town. Walter Johnson, the big train, a picture that I still have on my office wall at Cal State Fullerton, if I ever go back there again. (laughs) That's not a job hint. That's just, I don't know when we're going to be back on campus. Um, (laughs) You know, Fullerton has also always had that tradition. My brother, who I mentioned earlier, he's 15 years older than I am. So he was a senior at Troy high school in Fullerton in 1967 had an opportunity to go on to play baseball at Cal state Fullerton before they had ever won a college world series. I think their first was in the seventies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we knew, we knew Fullerton was something special. I Garrido was there. And, you know, when I was in high school, uh, a couple of the guys I played high school baseball with went on to play at Cal state Fullerton. One of them went on to play on the 84 college world series champion team. Um, so we we knew there was something special. You know, when when I was growing up, if you went I, I played high school baseball. I wasn't going to play college baseball. I wasn't good enough. But if I was, the schools I would have been looking at were USC, Cal State Fullerton, uh, Arizona State, Stanford, on the West Coast. There's uh, East Coast didn't exist to an 18-year-old. You had no idea. It wasn't like today. There's not social media. And, you know, ESPN didn't exist yet. You know, so we didn't know what was happening you know east of phoenix arizona pretty much but at least on the west coast or southwest those were the schools and so um nobody really wanted to go in my class if you weren't going on to play baseball cal state fullerton was kind of that um safety net school if you will uh, now it's an amazing college it's a top five school in so many different ways and it's a uh, you know kids with 4.0s are not getting in but um from a baseball perspective, yeah, Cal State Fullerton's always been something pretty special. I think the 2000 to 2010 and now – no, the 2010 to 2020, the, the the decade we just finished is the first decade since the 70s where Cal State Fullerton hasn't won at least one College of World Series. Mm-hmm. In like, 79, they won in 84, they won in the 90s, they won in the early 2000s, I think, 04, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so they've uh, they've got that tradition and, and – um, you know, you look at ball players, I think fourteen or fifteen guys that went to Cal State Fullerton are in the big leagues right now. So that they're they're a breeding ground for for great sports. Justin Turner, one of my favorite players, you know, really proud of the fact that he's a, a Cal State Fullerton Titan well
1: uh the the Cal State Fullerton degree may not look as attractive on the wall Ed, as the USC or the Pepperdine but I'm proud of mine no, no, <laughs>
0: no I, I and you should be and part of my job Matt is to make your degree worth more we're doing our best to do it our, hey. our president now Fram Vergie, is a very close friend of mine and Fram has visions and he's already realizing a lot of these visions for what he wants to do at Cal State Fullerton I mean number one and minority graduates, and first-time college students and families, and the business school is, you know, a top five public business school in the country, and, or, you know, top five percent, and, and um, it's a great, great university. I mean, it's, I say that because they pay my salary, but I also, <laughs> if they didn't, and uh, I'm honored that I, I get to you know, have a business card that has Fullerton.edu on it. I'm pretty stoked about that.
1: <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. Well, uh, well, well, Ed, outside of working at Fullerton, you also have some uh, – do some work at UC Riverside, right, in, uh, in teaching a class. What can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, a guy that I met when I worked at USC left and went to work at UCR and in uh, late 2013 – could be fortunate. No, 2013, he called me and said, hey, I know you used to work in minor league baseball. This is one of those where the minor league baseball gig has just continued to open doors for me. You put general manager on a resume and suddenly people want to talk to you, even though, you know, it doesn't mean anything now, 13 years later, and it really didn't mean that much that either, quite honestly. But, um, you know, it was a great experience for me and, and, a, and a resume builder and a platform for new things that I've been doing. But um, yeah, he contacted me and said, hey, I work in executive education at UCR. We have this international... Um, postgraduate sports management program and our finance professor just fell through and and uh, would you be interested? It's like sports finance. Anybody who knows me knows that <laughs> no, that's you're, you're talking to the wrong guy. Well, I had an interview. They hired me. I I taught that first class in the in the spring of 2014 and I haven't looked back. I've been doing it every year since. And these students are for the most part international. They they have a bachelor's. They're working towards their masters and. Um, I'm I'm generalizing here, but for the most part, it's a two-year program. They do a year in their home country. I've got students that I've been in touch with over the years that I've taught from all over Europe, Asia, Russia, South America, occasionally North America, but very few. Most are international. And so I get an opportunity to introduce these young men and women to, to American sports Hardly any of them know anything about baseball. So I teach them a lot about baseball. I take them to Anaheim stadium, to the quakes and others for tours and to meet people there. Um, and yeah, I'm teaching sports finance and sports leadership. I've been doing that now since, uh, 2014, 15. And I just love it. It's a, it's a quarterly program. So I'm only there like this year. I just did March or January, February, March. We ended the first week of the pandemic. Uh, I probably won't teach again until January again, but, uh, yeah, it's an opportunity for me to bring my old sports background and experience and and contacts to teach these kids and to help them find jobs in sports. And I'm really, I'm really proud of these young men and women who um, come over here from another country and really immerse themselves in this program. And then they, you know, we help them find an internship. And many of them have gone on to, like a lot of the folks like yourself and others who worked for the Flyers, have gone on to some really cool careers in sports Watching people develop is just one of my favorite things and knowing that maybe I might have had a small sliver of of a part in that is rewarding, but I I just like watching potential. I like watching that kid who has no shot suddenly become a superstar and just from afar, not anybody I've ever met. It's just really, I'm, I'm inspired by those back against the wall, no hope, no shot, and now they're in the Hall of Fame type of stories. That stuff is what really... Really inspires me and lights my fire, whether it's in sports or business or whatever the case may be, just seeing people against all odds. Because I was given everything, Matt. I grew up in an upper middle class home, being told I could do whatever I want, be whatever I want, do whatever I want, go to school wherever I want. And I did. And, um, you know, it's uh, a, I told my wife once that. The The higher the drop, the greater the bounce. You know, if you drop a ball from a foot, it's going to bounce a couple of inches. But if you drop a ball from way up, it's going to drop and it's going to go up even higher. And I look at just the challenges that people have had to overcome. And then the ones that are just thriving and succeeding just really inspires me. Longer, and I I tend to give long answers. I'll stop, sorry.
1: No, I, I love long answers. I have long questions sometimes. So that's uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, that, that sports uh, management class sounds
0: very interesting. I want you to come speak sometime. Well, oh, it's on Zoom or in, in. person. I why you there.
1: Oh, that would be great. I would love that. Um, I might want to come sit in on a class
0: first just to see what it's about. but
1: <laughs> Sounds like a plan, man. Uh, I they love just that.
0: love meeting people who worked in sports. You know, if I say, I got this guy coming in who was a, a professional baseball umpire, you know, they're going to dig that up. I had a guy last year who played in the NFL. I've had a guy who played professional basketball in Vietnam, who I met last year when I was in Vietnam on a trip. And, and, um, you know, we've, we've, we've used zoom and Skype and other methods to get to people to get people in to come. And Tim Meade, who worked with the angels for 39 years, now the president of the baseball hall of fame. Um, every year he invited us in to take a tour of the stadium. And then he'd take us down to the angel dressing room, you know, the locker room. It was in the off season typically. And, uh, We'd sit where Pujols and Trout and all these other guys sit, and he would just answer questions for these people for a couple hours about baseball and about the Angels, and it was pretty awesome.
1: Oh yeah. He, he's a real nice guy. You had me meet him one time. That was, yeah. that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I could tell your students about some of the things maybe that are said on the field that people don't know are said on the field. Uh,
0: I would love you. I want to flip the script here and interview you for my podcast sometime. And I want to hear
1: your story. Oh, I, Oh, Ed, I would love to be on it. And, and that was the, that was very next thing on my, on my notes here is talking about your podcast. And, uh, i I'll just explain to our audience, uh, how it all started what it's about and maybe who who are some of the guests you've had and how often is it put out just to give us a uh, give us the rundown ed of the ed hart uh, podcast
0: well I, I, as as uh, as a parent by the two or three people who are still probably listening in you know you <laughs> probably had a thousand because it's you and then they heard it's me so there might be <laughs> My dad might still be listening, so I'll talk to him right now. <laughs> this isn't a knock on you. It's at oh, heart, really? So I mean.
1: humble. You're so humble Ed.
0: I like uh, talking to people. You know, as I mentioned before, relationships are, are critical for me. Um, I interview a lot of people in my job, you know on stage or just you know in, in events that we do for family business, primarily. And I love that. I love you know my, my hashtag on everything I post for my podcast is everyone has a story and it's true. It doesn't matter if you're famous or not. We all have stories that can hopefully inspire someone. So 2019, just last year, a little earlier than this time last year, I really started to put some serious thought into it. I listened to a lot of podcasts. Some are well-known. Jonathan Fields' Good Life Project is probably my favorite. How I Built This by Guy Raz. Lots of others that everyone's heard of. But then also just some that no one's heard of that I listen to because their story or the guests they have. So I just started thinking, hey, it'd be kind of fun. I've had a blog for uh, several years called from the heart where i just literally write what's in my mind and in my heart about a topic whether it's current events or sports or leadership or anything and so i just started thinking how cool it would be to have a podcast so a lot of stars aligned and a lot of the right people came into my life to be able to make it happen a plug to todd frazier who runs frazier enterprises Fraser studios in anaheim uh, became my producer uh, through a, a complete chance meeting with his wife i was having coffee at a local coffee place and talking with a client of mine about maybe podcasting, and she overheard me and said, you know, my husband does podcasts, so that led me to a conversation with Todd, and um, so anyway, fast forward to end of last year, I I started looking at what do I want to do, who do I want to interview, what's the goal, decided to keep the name from the heart, you know, the play on my last name, obviously, heart, but also less about you know people's resume i've never been a resume guy to your point earlier in this conversation (laughs) i don't really care much about what people do i care more about who they are and how they do it and so the podcast is really just getting into the heart of the person that i talk to why do you do what you do and i have the same tagline question at the end of every interview that is if i were interviewing you today i'd say matt what's in your heart and you know we record it all and we put it on youtube and on all the different podcast platforms and and um Yeah, I've been so fortunate. I mentioned Tim Meade, uh, current president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Tim was kind enough to be on. Um, Started with Ken Blanchard, who wrote the the wildly popular book, The One-Minute Manager. Came out in the 80s. Ken's a mentor of mine and a close friend. Uh, I look for business leaders. I look a lot for family businesses. I'm interviewing a guy next week who's a current Navy SEAL commander. Um, I interview other podcast hosts because I like to pick their brains. Um, leaders, authors, um, some sports figures, I've interviewed Greg Grunberg, who, um, I don't know if you remember in 2007 with the Flyers, that band called Band from TV came out and performed after a game, (laughs) Uh, it's a band made up of uh, TV and movie stars, Hugh Laurie, James Denton, Greg Grunberg, who was in Heroes, Felicity, Star Wars, the most recent Star Wars movies, interviewed Greg, so we've recorded, I think 31 episodes now. So we're not, you know, over a hundred like you are congratulations by the way, but um, <laughs> we run about, you know, I was trying to do one a week and then it just kind of became in the pandemic. It was when people were available. Lindsay Snyder owner of in and out was on recently. Um, and so it, it's fun to be able to just uh, interview these people. I hate to start dropping names of who I've interviewed because I'm going to forget a lot of people, but um what they all have in common is that they have a very unique story. They have a very unique why. And my hope is that people listening will be inspired. Um, you can just Google from the heart podcast with Ed heart, find us on Spotify, Apple podcast, TuneIn radio, iHeartRadio. um, radio. Also on YouTube, we have a channel of the same name. And uh, it's just a lot of fun talking to people, recording their stories, hearing why they do what they do, what inspires them. And, um, it really is a passion. I just got my title sponsor. There's a company called Orange Kiwi. They're a family business consulting firm. They are now, as of this last week, my title sponsor. So now it's the From the Heart podcast presented by Orange Kiwi. Told them I'd plug that. So there you go. <laughs> and um, but they're and they're good friends, and we do a lot of partnership with them on the family business side as well. So yeah, it's just uh, it, it, you know, I mean, I'll, I'm going to flip the script on you again right now, Matt. Why do you, why are you doing it? Why are you doing what you're doing here with your podcast? Well, you know, it
1: originally started just I was curious about podcasts and listening to them and, and to see, oh, oh, so anyone can do this. And not Obviously,
0: knowing... I do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, anyway,
1: listen to my stuff early. Let me yeah. tell you. Uh so I just I don't know, I became became somewhat passionate about it and Uh, I didn't really have a plan too much in mind. I was just going to kind of talk about my everyday life. And then all of a sudden, this lockdown hit. Uh, I was out of work and was like, well, I got a lot more time to dive into this. And I started interviewing people. So for me, it became an opportunity to talk to so many different people that have been in my life one way or another. And it doesn't have to just be people that I know. I would love to interview people that um, I've never met before. But it's been an opportunity almost to – the lockdown gave me an, an, an opportunity to catch up with people that I hadn't been able to do beforehand. We always wonder about, Hey, I wonder how, uh, what's his name is doing. And I got to do is send that person a text or an email these days, but we still don't have those conversations really that we've been able to uh, or, or maybe we'll have wanted to. So it's been a chance for me to do that and I uh, got a little momentum and just kind of have, have ridden it out. So we'll see where it goes. I, I definitely will have a lot more questions for you uh, in the, in the future about, uh, how to maybe upgrade the podcast, if you will, and some other, uh, other features.
0: I got to tell you, one of my, I, I, I'm scrolling through, you know, I just have this spreadsheet up on my computer and I'm scrolling through looking at on the other computer next to me here, guests that I've had. And I interviewed a guy, Ben Malcolmson, and I don't know if you know Ben's story. Ben was a, a writer at the daily Trojan at USC. He walked on, um, at USC, he, he, he was going to write a story his senior year about the, the walk-on tryouts for USC under coach Pete Carroll. And he decided, you know, why not actually walk on and then write a story as a walk on? Well, he made the team. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I heard his story. He's a Christian. So he told this really great story. He tells it in churches all over the country. And uh, he is currently and has been for the last decade, the personal assistant for Pete Carroll, for the Seattle Seahawks. And so I had Ben on, uh, uh, well, I guess interviewed him back in July and uh, just a super, super guy. That's the thing that I'm enjoying is just people aren't tuning into here at heart because nobody knows who I am and that's fine. And I don't do this and then someday they will. I do this because the people I'm interviewing just have intriguing stories and backgrounds. And to hear Ben tell the story of why he believes, you know, to to cross into just the, the belief system here for a second, of the reason that he believes that God put him there to, to be a walk on and make that team is, is really a, an inspiring story. And to hear guys like the president of our university, you know, Fram Virgie, who i mentioned before, and you know, best-selling author up in Canada that I talked to, and I'm just kind of, you know, just business owners and leaders and actors and athletes and musicians, and, you know, really just some fun, fun people that I've had a, just a privilege to talk to. It's, it's really, who wouldn't want to do this? Yeah, Yours is great, I listen to you a lot, and you've had people on that I know and most of the people you've had I don't know and I'm always just blown away at how professional you are and how good you sound and just uh, and then as we established here right before we recorded we're about a mile away from each other right now. That's unbelievable. We we well, were talking it and, and I
1: see you said hey where do you live I said Eastfield and you go me too." I went, what. <laughs> I haven't seen you in 13 years, talked to you in 13 years, yeah. and, and here we are. Uh, we moved a mile from – or you've lived here longer, but we, we live a mile from each other.
0: Yeah, and we've probably shopped at the same grocery store and driven <laughs> through the same Starbucks and, and probably been in the same space many, many times and didn't even know. It. But now we do. So. Oh,
1: there's, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, one thing I have talked to many friends about uh, before, not in the podcast, just in life, is that, you know, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> He's her,
0: he, if you're he has, not sure of that look in the mirror
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly oh exactly but yeah he has plans uh, but but he the way he he manages things sometimes it's like that's unbelievable that you and i uh just catch up 20 13 years later and all of a sudden we're a mile from each other that's just unbelievable
0: i love it i love how things work uh, so I'm, I'm just honored to get this time with you i mean when you've asked me and i you know i've I've been following your progress for a while already before we we reconnected and so to to listen to you a couple of times and see some of the guests that you've had and then to reconnect and then for you to say i'd love to have you on it's like it, i don't think i'd even finished ask, reading the question when i was already writing back sure let's do it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I, I definitely wanted to talk about your podcast you've had some great people on there uh, you know, a lot more famous people I'll say than I know, but, uh, you know,
0: we'll get there. Well, we'll, we'll get there I know eventually. people who know people. And I, one thing to your point earlier too, what the, what the pandemic has done is we recorded eight interviews from end of October until end of February. And the plan was to start recording in October and then go live end of January, which we did. We stuck and I say, we Todd Fraser, my producer and I, we decided to do it that way. Um, but when I came home mid-March, I couldn't go to Todd's studio anymore. I had to get this. I had to call Todd and say, "Like, what's the software you use? How do I do this? What microphone should I get? You know, how do I do this?" And he coached me through. And since March 16th, I've done about another 23 or 24 of these, and I've got five more scheduled this month. You know, I've got a psychologist who's going to talk about the. Um, you know, the, the emotional impact of what we're all going through right now. it would be the second time I've had somebody like that on. but The first one was four months ago, so things have changed. got that Navy SEAL commander. I've got a young woman who hosts a podcast. I've got a woman who's a family business expert. Um, Stephanie Stuckey, who some of your listeners may be familiar with the brand Stuckey's. Uh, they're a pretty large, you know, restaurant and, and convenience store chain across the country. And so, yeah, just really, really fun people that we that I get to talk to.
1: Well, that's what it's all about—is uh, relationships. Yeah. Has been the one constant thing you've talked about through this through this uh, the conversation, Ed. And, and yeah, the podcasting thing for me has just been that it, conversations with people and relationships. And even though you may have not talked to someone uh, in 13 years, like me and you, uh, I feel like we, we pick up right where we left off uh, in, in that hot and warm uh, Cal state Fullerton baseball press box. Uh, you know, it's been a long time, Ed. but. Uh, well,
0: I don't have $35 or a burrito for you, but I hope <laughs> to buy you lunch at uh, a nice restaurant here in Eastville at some point when we can lift our masks and go outside again.
1: Yes. No doubt about that. That would, that would be a blast. That would be so much fun. Uh, and in closing, Ed, I mean, what do you think about kind of the, the current events? Uh, what this year has been like for you? <laughs> so many people, the year 2020 uh, COVID, this lockdown, just this crazy time we're in. I always, my, my podcast is called get home safe and that's ultimately yeah. what I want everyone to do at the end of the day is to get home safe, no matter what they're doing. Uh, we've had so many obstacles we'll say this year and uh i don't know what what's the year been like for you and how have you stayed sane through
0: all this well i love the name of your podcast for you know obvious reasons the baseball analogy and the fact that that really is a great if, that, if those are gonna be the final words you say to someone you know at the end of a ball game everybody get home safe or mm-hmm. you know right now with this pandemic i think i told you the story before we recorded and maybe it was we were already recording so if i'm repeating it i apologize I had the opportunity to go back to my office on campus at Cal State Fullerton a couple of days ago, like September 2nd, I think it was, and um, just to pick up some technology and, and some files and books, because we're not going to be back on campus anytime in the near future on a day-to-day basis. And I, I looked over at my desk calendar, and it said March, and here it was September 2nd, and I, you know, I haven't been lost. You know, the whole significance and the the wow and the oh my goodness of what's going on in this world hasn't been lost on me. I've been watching the news and paying attention, obviously, like everyone else. But it really put into just kind of a almost without words for me, wow, look what has happened. I, I have not touched that calendar since March, and it's September. And so it really got me thinking on my drive home of the things that have happened, not just in the world of the hundreds of thousands of people who have died. We have a 30 year old daughter who um, she and her two boys live with us. She went through a divorce about six years ago and she was one of the fly girls, by the way, she and our other daughter, Becky, Jolie and Becky were two of the girls that were, you know, dancing on the field and leading customer relations for the flyers back in those years. When we <laughs> her. And now she's a mom of two boys and um, she came down, she was, she tested positive for COVID early in August. And, um, she lives with us. And so do her boys. And her ex-husband comes over quite a bit to pick up the boys and take them for his time. And, and um, so my wife and I were paranoid that we may have tested positive. We, we moved out for a couple of weeks, went to a condo, stayed there, got tested each week, tested negative. Our daughter's now fine. And her, her friends who were also tested positive at that time also are now fine. But so it hit us a little bit harder a month ago or so than we anticipated because we had it in our home. I think prior to that, it was a, a news story and it was, um, you know, the hardest thing for me, Matt, has been watching my friends lose jobs, my companies that I work with fold up. I've got companies in the entertainment industry, in the hospitality industry in the restaurant industry who don't know as of right now, you know, at the time we're recording this September 5th, they don't know if um, if they're going to have companies, if they're going to still be able to employ the 300, 400, 500, 1,000 people that they employ. And the hardest thing for me has been watching the devastation and the impact on, on those that I know and the people around the world. I don't know, you know, whichever political aisle we sit on, you know, did 200,000 people in America die of this or did 20,000 people in America die of this? We don't know the number. We know what the left tells us. We know what the right tells us. Um, the number is probably somewhere in the middle quite honestly and because uh, a lot of people are diagnosed with COVID who died of something else or you know I, I don't I'm not going to get into the political game of how the testing and everything works because you know I've got my opinions and they're just that I don't have facts and neither do you mm-hmm. and neither does anybody listening um, my my bottom line is I just hate to see the suffering both from a health and an emotional standpoint and from a family's not being able to pay their bills or know if they have a job to go to. So it's just just been a sad, you know, I'll tell you, Matt, right? 2020, we thought this is the year of vision. This is the year everybody's going to be, you know, having breakthrough years. I think we all made new resolutions or had conversations on December 31st, 19 or 2019 of what a great year this is going to be. I'm going to give away right now one of my passwords and I won't tell you where so people won't try to log in. It's not my bank account, but um, 123120 is one of my passwords because that's the last day of this year. And I'm really looking forward to flipping the page and uh, hopefully having a healthy 2021 for all of us. But um, yeah, it's just been hard, but the opportunity, look at how many podcasts you and I have now done. Look at the relationships that we've built. Look at the opportunities that we've had as a result as well. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's just been a, a year unlike any other. And, you know, I pray that we won't ever have a year like this again.
1: Yes, sir. I'm right there with you. Can't wait to for midnight to come on December 31st and to uh, turn the year.
0: Turn the year. Celebration.
1: (laughs) Big, big time celebration. Uh, I'm not usually a New Year's New Year's Eve guy, but
0: uh, I will definitely uh, celebrate that night. I think we'll most stay awake. Most of us will stay awake that night.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Not to not to see the new year in, but to see this year leave.
1: Yes, correct, correct. Let's get it. Let's get it behind. Don't it. let the doorknob
0: hit you on the way out.
1: <laughs> I, I think that's that's the thing. Is uh, you know you always look forward. At least I do, and I think the biggest thing for so many people is just this uncertainty that that you don't know what's going to happen, and sometimes that can be exciting, but when it's a negative uncertainty it's just like man let's let's get some hope let's get some positive things so uh, I'm looking forward to positive things I know you are uh, you're doing great things Ed I really appreciate you talking with me today I'm looking forward to going through your podcast one by one I started the Lindsay Snyder one I'm I'm gonna get to all these because I I think uh, your voice is very soothing we'll say (laughs) Exactly. So when you can't
0: sleep, just put on from the heart and you'll be out and <laughs> no time. That's what I'm hearing. No, I, I appreciate that. And you too. I mean, you're, you're doing a fantastic job. And it's, you know, like I said before, to see people realizing their potential and doing great things is what inspires me more than anything. And and um, gosh, that you're doing you've done over a hundred of these, and I've just done 30. I'm just getting started. And to be able to hear you and the guests that you have and your your style and your humor. And your humility too is just something. I think that's what I've admired about you from the day you walked into my office. Is that, you know, just that humility and um, that willingness to learn. And I, the guests that I've heard you talk to, I really and I get that. That's what you and I have in common is that we, we really are talking to people because we want to learn their story and maybe implement one or two things from their lives into ours. And that's that's what and that's what I'm hoping and I know you are too, that our listeners and hopefully those that listen today will. Yeah, we had a fun down, fun romp down memory lane talking about baseball and SC football and everything else. But you know, if you're not inspiring somebody to make a change or an improvement in their lives, then you just waste yes. time, in my opinion.
1: Yes. Amen, sir. Very well said. And guys, I encourage you to check out the podcast from Ed Hart. It's called From the Heart, and Hart is spelled like his last name, H A R T From the Heart. So check it out you will be inspired uh, and, and learn a few things just like uh, I think everyone has today, Ed, with uh, this conversation with you. So once again, thank you so much. I, I uh, now that I know we're neighbors, maybe it'll yeah. be a little easier to, to see you soon.
0: <laughs> Probably see you at home Depot in 20 minutes, right? You know, like they say, you know, as soon as I say red BMW, you start seeing them everywhere. So uh, I'll, I'll be the guy with the Cal state Fullerton mask up to my nose when you see me. So yeah, that's, that's me.
1: Sounds good. I look forward to seeing you, my friend, and uh, and thanks Thank again. That was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for having me, buddy. Great to see you again today.
1: Another very big thank you to Ed Hart for coming on the program. I got to tell you guys, we've done hundreds of episodes, but that was definitely one of my favorite conversations I've had. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And Ed, I also want to say thank you for giving that uh, college senior at uh, Cal State Fullerton, giving him a chance to just come in and and be a part of a professional baseball team and help out any way he, he could. It was a good time for me to really start my sports journey and, and working kind of behind the scenes uh, off the field and, and those types of things. So I really appreciate it. I always look back on that year as just uh, probably the most fun I had just because I didn't know any better. I didn't know what I was doing and it was just so much fun uh, being a part of the Flyers and uh, working alongside you, working for you, I should say, and uh, just some, a memory I will not trade for the world. So thanks again, Ed. It was so much fun. And guys, seriously, check out Ed Hart's podcast from the heart. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes recently and really good stuff, stuff where I think you will be inspired and learn something about leadership, maybe um, attacking goals, Just, just a lot of different positive things from the from the heart, from the heart podcast. So check it out. Um, I I highly recommend it. Their episodes are about an hour and it looks like they come out roughly weekly, once a week or so. So if you're looking for something, let me tell you, uh, I'm always looking for good podcasts. It's really cool that I get to know the, the, uh, the podcaster himself. But anyway, uh, check it out from the heart. Uh, the heart is spelled like Ed's last name, H-A-R-T, and uh, his link should be in our episode description here. Uh, if you'd like to, to check it out, the direct link. But uh, anyway, any more information regarding Ed Hart, definitely uh, contact me and I'll point you in the right direction if you can't find some of the things he's doing. But Ed Hart, thanks again. Great stuff. One of my favorite interviews. I hope all is well. And yes, uh, I will be running into you, I hope, really soon as we are living only a mile from each other, give or take. So looking forward to uh, sitting down and chatting in person soon. And I hope everything else uh, is going well for you, sir. Well, guys, tomorrow is Wednesday, and we know that means Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Bill Barnes is here every single Wednesday. The retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire is here to bring his strong opinions, some random thoughts, maybe some uh, comments on some of the current events that's been going on, some subject matter kind of presents itself to us. So uh, Bill's here every week. We've done almost 25 episodes, Uh, he and I. Uh, together, And I know that some people tune in Wednesdays just for Bill and other people probably don't listen on the Wednesdays because of Bill. But anyway, he's here every week and we wouldn't have it any other way. Very strong opinions. Uh, some opinions that might not be for you. Uh, I definitely come out of my shell a little bit more and, and speak out about some of the things I feel a little bit more strongly about on Wednesdays with Bill. Um, but uh, again, we're not trying to alienate or push anybody away. We're just sharing our thoughts and opinions. If they are for you, then by all means, tune in. And, and if they're not, hey, we totally understand that. There's a lot of different uh, belief systems and opinions out there. Uh, but me and Bill Barnes, we try to get after it every single Wednesday with some... Uh, strong content and some strong opinions on what's going on, uh, not only around the world, but in the world of sports uh, politics, just all kinds of of different factors here. And uh, just a lot of fun. We'll see if I can uh, calm bill down after a long three day weekend of, uh, Whatever he ended up, whatever he ended up doing, <laughs> we will have to find him. Anyway, uh, Bill Barnes tomorrow on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Be sure to tune in and join us, guys. There's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe. Pod, Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Podcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. So send us an email. Give us some subject matter, maybe a content suggestion, a question. Bill Barnes loves questions. So if you have questions directly for Bill, make sure they're in by Tuesday at some point, uh, probably by the afternoon. I think a good deadline would probably be noon because I probably see Bill tuesday afternoon at some point and we don't want to get the questions after we've already been recording so get those questions in for bill it could be anything he wants questions he loves the fact that there are people listening and uh, who, who send in some uh, stuff for him so send in those questions in an email or through the social media platforms that's fine as well we continue to use our social media platforms to provide information for you guys whether it be the picture of the upcoming guests the night before just so you guys kind of get an idea of who to look forward to or just posting the episodes themselves maybe some other content too but uh, that's the best way to follow the get home safe podcast we know you guys listen uh, wherever you listen, uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Anchor, we, we know there's a lot of different options for this podcast, and we're just uh, really happy that we have so many listeners. Uh, it's not the biggest podcast in the world, but it's still growing, and man, before you know it, we'll be at 10,000 total plays here. I'm hoping in another week or so, if uh, my calculations are correct. So uh, big big things ahead for the Get Home Safe podcast, uh, but yes, contacting us and following us. There's plenty of ways. You guys know that. I say that every show. Send us in a voice message. Send us in an email. Uh, Contact us. We'd love to hear from you guys, just like you hear from us Monday through Friday here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Anyway, thanks again, Ed Hart. That was so much fun. Bill Barnes, I hope you're ready tomorrow. We're going to have a lot of fun like we do every single Wednesday. Guys, hope all is well out there after the three-day weekend and everyone's back to work and just doing what they got to be doing. But uh, guys, as I always say, no matter what, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.